Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. Welcome back to another episode of Outdoor Country Talk with Jacob and Jeremy. Jake, we're finally thawing out a little bit, man. Yeah, the the cold, the, the bitter Arctic blast has kind of blown through, and I think it's supposed to be, you know, high 50 next couple of days. It's not going to be warm, warm, but it ain't going to be this. You don't have to leave your water dripping at night cold. Yeah, that's about double what it was this morning. I know I left the house, I guess, about 5 o'clock, and, man, my truck said 21 degrees. Yeah, I was showing 22 at 6 here at the house, so. Yeah. It's been, man, it's been a long time since I've seen 21 degrees or that. I can remember 21 degrees before Thanksgiving in South Mississippi. Well, I saw a thing up north. I want to say it was in uh, somewhere around Nashville. They were saying that today set a record low of 17, and I can't remember if it was Nashville or Memphis, but it was it was the coldest since like 1930-something. It was a long time. Global warming, man. Global warming at work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you watch it. You know, we talk about the Farmer's Almanac every once in a while, but if you notice, there's a cycle in that weather, but, you know, I'm not a... I'm not a weather expert like all these global warming people, but it, it seems to be getting warmer and warmer all the time to me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I mean, you can be a weatherman, get paid to be right about 50% of the time. That's the best job that I know about, but, you know, I guess it may be one of the most difficult jobs out there. I don't know. Well, I can tell you this. Now, this has just been my experience, and people can argue or comment whatever they want to do, but... There's an app I use a good bit, AccuWeather.com, and it'll predict things out about 30 days. You know, Weather.com does about 15, but AccuWeather will cover a little bit further. And like for the the Canada hunt I got coming up in December, uh, yeah. was looking at it earlier, and you know I did it when I went to North Dakota, and it was pretty spot on for the 10 days before and the days we were going to be there. Uh, I went back mm-hmm. and kind of, I had taken a screenshot just to look at it and went back and checked the screenshot while we were there. And it was amazing how accurate it was. So, I mean, they're, they're not that far off. Yeah. Rain. Uh, particip- what did it look, what did it look like for your, for your hunt? You're going to have up there. 18 lows, 38 high, 12 degree or 12 mile an hour west wind on the first two days and that was as far as i could see because i'm still over a month out or right at a month out so well that ain't much different it's been the last couple days no but see you're in that north atlantic sea uh and i'm gonna bet that is what you know everybody up north like when we were in north dakota they kept telling us you know it's a dry cold it's a dry cold it is a dry cold but there's no timber like it is here to slow that wind down Block the wind. Yeah, so <laughs> it may be 20 degrees, but the wind chill's at negative 8. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. with us going to be, and, and since we're sea duck hunting and going to actually be out in the Atlantic Ocean or in one of the bays right there around wherever it is we're supposed to be hunting at, uh, I, I'm going to bet it's going to be 18 and feel like negative 2 probably. You think you can tell a difference when it gets that cold? I mean, it just seems like when it gets cold, it, it's 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 cold. I don't know if it makes if you can tell twenty from ten. Well, the biggest challenge is going to be is whether I can actually maintain my status of wearing shorts all the time when I'm hunting or not. 
That is nothing I would shoot for. Oh, I'm going. I, I've already told my little Canadian buddy that when I get off of the airplane in Deer Lake, Newfoundland, that they can go ahead and get ready. I will let exit the plane in rubber boots with my shorts on. It's going to happen. Now, I may quickly run, go throw some pants on, but I'm going to at least get off the plane just to mess with him. Jake, there's a fine line there. You're, it seems like that's a trash treading on to me. Well, I'm, I'm going to avoid frostbite, but after that, it's on. <laughs> well, good luck with that is all I can I will you. suffer through it just to be that hard-headed and prove a point or just to be able to say I did it. Well, good luck. The uh, nothing, I, nothing I'm going to flirt with there. Well, you know, it's not for... The main thing is I don't like my pants bunching in my waders, so... And oh, I know they make the little gator straps and everything else, but it's still... It's not as comfortable to me as my shorts. I mean, I've been in 8 to 10 degree weather in my shorts and waders, so I think it ought to be fine. Yeah. It, it ought to be fine. The coolest thing that we've been told is that we may have the opportunity... I won't probably get to shoot, but we may actually get to go on a moose hunt while we're there, so... Oh, that'd be pretty cool. The residents there apparently every other year get a moose tag to keep meat in their freezer. Yeah. So what they do, most of the residents buddy with someone else, and that way they just split a moose each year, and that way both of them have fresh meat, you know, for every winter instead of, yeah. you know, having a just too much one year and and nothing the mm -hmm. next year. And he told me that uh, it looks like one of his buddies, close guys, that's probably going to hunt with us some on the sea duck hunt on the King Eiders is actually going to have his moose tag hopefully still available at that time, and we can actually get to go on a moose hunt. I don't, I don't personally care if I shoot. I, I just like the adventure of getting to go. So. so if you do kill a trophy moose, what is the plans of getting your trophy back home? I'm going to leave it with them and wish them well. <laughs> tell, it, tell them to hang it up with your name on it. Yeah, that doesn't uh, – I don't think I have a wall in my house that would support that. So, and I really don't want to have to start reinforcing walls to be able to handle such a thing. So, Nor would I want to support the taxidermy bill that probably comes along with that. I don't want to support the shipping bill to fly it down here. <laughs> You know, it's uh, 40 or $50 for every, you know, if your bag's over 50 pounds, they go to charging more. Well, I'm going to guess, uh, I would hate to know what one of those uh, rack like that weighs, so. No telling. Yeah, I might be having to wash dishes or something to get it down here, lick postage stamps mm -hmm. or something. I don't know what you'd actually make you do, but. I don't know, man. But, I don't know. Man, we've got a, we've got a good guest on tonight, a good friend of mine. Been fishing with him for the last couple of years. Cat Manthe, you there, bud? I am here, my friend. That's my boy. And my understanding is you're down on the coast now getting ready to fish. That's right, man. I'm down here right now getting all my stuff together, trying to get all my boats in the water to go fish for the next five days in this Arctic blast that we've decided to come down here to the coast. And look, I can promise you one thing. There won't be no shorts on me. <laughs> Smart man, it sounds like. Well, let's That's go through it. that I'll real probably quick. have enough clothes on for the weekend. I don't even know if I'll be able to bend over and get bait out the live well. <laughs> well. What gear do you use this time of year? Man, my favorite thing is I put on my Under Armour Long Johns. 
my blue jeans, and then I wear one of them 200-mile-an-hour rain suits or 100-mile-an-hour rain suits, and it keeps me warm. It's about all you can put on. I mean, I might put on a couple of extra layers here and there, but they might have to come off on the boat while I'm out there. But, man, that that crisp breeze in the morning time when you start, when you head out in that boat, it's cold. Man, I bet. Oh, and there's no way to get away from that. No. Yeah, no. that, that I mean, boat ride out be, and in in the morning. I think in the morning just when no we high. pull out, it's supposed to be, I think, 38, something like that. But it's supposed to warm up to about 60 tomorrow, something like that. I don't That's know. Not, y'all, y'all don't see that regularly down there, do you? No, man. I'm from South Louisiana. You know, it gets down below 60. We break out big coats. <laughs> <laughs> the gumbo has been cooked. <laughs> That's right. You know, we, we light a fire at 65. <laughs> but, yeah. Chap, so, I think you're the first, uh, Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first, uh, you know, fisherman that we've had had on our show, right? This is. This is our first, uh, definitely first captain that we've had on the show. Yeah. Fishing guys. It's awesome. I like to be somebody's first. There you go. But, um. But, yeah, I mean, we go head out. I got five days here fishing. I mean, winter time fishing down here can be awesome, and it can be tough, you know. But, um, you know, I love fishing the fall. The biggest thing that we have when we fish the fall is we have to deal with these cold fronts that come through. You know, we normally do really, really good on the cold fronts. But it's always like a day or two afterwards when it starts warming up on the warming trend after the cold front. That's when we typically do a little bit better. But, you know, we have to have these cold fronts to come through to to make our fall fishing do what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, before this weekend, our water temperatures just stayed up really high. And it takes these cold fronts to draw the water temperature down. And when the water temperature comes down, then the fish move into their fall part spots. And... You know, that's when we start catching them. That's when they get stacked up in the little deep bayous up in the marsh. It brings all, and we don't have to go that far. That's the great yeah. part. You know, it might be a cold ride out in the morning, but we don't have to go far to, in it. Now, Cap, you're. Yeah, go ahead, Jeremy. I'm sorry. I, I, I was just gonna say I've never, I've never been down there and fished. You know, this this time of the year, the most the the times I've been is you know like June, July, so when it's a hundred degrees, you know, and I've uh, I've never been down there this time of the year when it's when it's this cold. You know, in in June and July, well, that time of the year we're fishing basically the spawn of the speckled trout. Yeah. So all our all our trout are down on the beach. They're out in the big bays around the the islands out in the bays, and you know that's where we're fishing them. This time of the year, all the bait comes up in the marsh because the marsh gets hot. Um, yeah. And we don't have to go very far. It's actually pretty nice, to be honest with you. Oh, I bet it is. Short boat ride, fishing quicker, fishing longer. That's right. Well, Cap, do right. this too. Now, before we get too far in this, tell us, uh, tell all the listeners here where where you're actually from, where you fish out of. Uh, give a little plug there for your business. Gotcha. Well, I mean, my business is Spot On Fishing Adventures. Um, I've been fishing out of Leeville, Louisiana, for 
heck, the last 15 years as a charter captain, about the last 20, 25 years is just fishing down here. And if anybody don't know where Leeville is, I mean, everybody knows where Grand Isle is. You got to pass through Leeville to get to Grand Isle. So when you come through the toll bridge right here in Leeville, I mean, that's where we are. Um, best thing about fishing out of Leeville is when the weather's bad, I don't have to cross a bunch of big water to get anywhere. You know, I can go east and west. It's the only place you can cross by Lafouche south of the Intercoastal Waterway. Um, so I have the option to go either on the east side toward the Bear Terrier side or the west side towards the Terrebonne side or Timbalier side is what most people call it. Um, and it's awesome fishing. I mean, Oh, yeah. We, I know over the years I've been down there with you several times and brought buddies and family, and we've always been very, very successful each time we go. We've we've had a good time even when the fish weren't biting. So, Well, that's kind of the way I run my business down here. I mean, it, you know, everybody that comes fishing with me is on vacation. So, you know, we try to show them a good time every day, and whatever we catch is really secondary of having a good time on the boat every day. Oh yeah, you know. the the jokes and the stories made while we're on the boat have uh, <laughs> probably <laughs> even when we limited out quick the the stories and the jokes have far superseded any of the fish caught. The that's it. You know, my buddy's grandfather used to always tell me, all everything that we do, we ain't doing nothing but telling, with making stories to tell our grandkids when we get older, right? Amen to that. Oh, that's kind of like kind of like hunting. You know, you say. Uh, you say a, a bad day's hunting better than a good day at work. That'll, that'll transpire over in the fishing as well. Heck. That's right. I think it's a chap. That's what a how bad day of fishing to me is a bad day at work. <laughs> yeah, you've kind of taken the fun out of that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got, a, you got a little bit different outlook on it, I guess. That's <laughs> it. Well, you know, I mean, we do good. I mean, we, we typically put our customers on fish every day. Um, you know, if they called it, it you know, if, if it was easy to do, they would call it catching and killing instead of fishing and hunting. Oh, that's right. And, you know, so we normally put our customers on good fish pretty much every day. And it's, it's hard. I mean, we work, we work our tail off trying to make sure they get, you know, if you, if you can't burn bait on the fish, you burn gas trying to find them, and that's what we do. Well, you say every day. Is there is there any time of the year where you're, you're taking off, or is it pretty much a, a 12-month, 365-day operation? We fish, I would say, out of 12 months, we fish at least probably about, I would say, 9 to 10 of them. You know, January, February is just, it's really tough. I mean, yeah. we do run some trips in January and February, but, you know, when you get down in the fall and the winter, the biggest problem you have is fishing with the fronts. You know, yeah. when the fronts come through and the fronts blow and it gets bone-chilling cold, it's just no fun. But if you can catch it on them warming days after the fronts and those times of the year, I mean, you can have a good day. Um, so January, February... Yeah, we try to take off, but other than that, yeah, we fish from basically first of March till Christmas. Well, how did uh 
how did you get started into this into this business? Oh, that's a long story, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> we got a little time. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I hate to tell you, but we do an hour long show, so uh, shoot at it, man. We'll cut you short if we need to. <laughs> well, basically, I got started in this business because I started fishing down in salt. I started saltwater fishing when I was about 20 years old. I, I, I was an adamant bass fisherman. I knew in my mind that I was going to be a professional bass fisherman. And then one of my friends screwed up and took me red fishing when I was about 20. And I come down here and I started catching red fish in the marsh. And about that, that time, I was like, you know what? Them little bitty bass at five pounds, they can have it. I'm <laughs> down here. I'm, I'm, catching, I'm catching red bass on steroids, man. You know, ain't that the truth? Um, that's yeah, kind of how I got started fishing down here. I mean, I used to always ask my daddy about going saltwater fishing, and he always used to tell me, "Hey, it's just too far to drive, son. Uh, that's just too far to drive." Well, once I once I got my driver's license and hooked onto his boat, that's where I drove, and I fished down here for about 10 years or so and man I, I was doing really good and at that point i was in the building industry and i was going fishing with a bunch of guides and i come home one day and i told my wife i said you know what i said i'm gonna go get my guide license she was like why i said because i normally catch about the same amount of fish as all these other guides and i said i can be a whole lot more friendly doing it and she just kind of looked at me and said okay so i did and that's how I got started. How old How old were you then when you started guiding? Oh, Lord, you going to make me show my age now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was about 29. I think I was about 29, 30 years old. Yeah. When I, when I went and got my captain's license. And so that's and developed into a, into a, a full-time business for you now, huh? Pretty much, yes, sir. I mean, I fish anywhere between three to four days a week, sometimes more, sometimes less. But, um, yeah, we stay on the water a lot now. I mean, I have another business up in town where I'm from. I mean, I'm from – I live in Ascension Parish, which is just south of Baton Rouge, and then I own a business in Walker, which is in a Livingston Parish. It's called the Outpost Feed and Outdoors. Um, we're a feed store, hunting store, outdoor cooking store. Um, right there in Walker, Louisiana, which is just east of Bat of Baton Rouge. Right. Um, so I run back and forth a lot. You know, my wife runs the store up there, and I run my fishing business down here. So now you were in the construction. Y'all were building cabinets and everything else. Are y'all still doing that? I'm still building a few cabinets. I'm a cabinet maker by trade, or general contractor, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I've built custom houses my whole life and while i was building custom houses is when i used to get taken on all these fishing trips and that's what made me decide to really become a guide you know because i went fishing with a lot of good guys and i went fishing with a lot of bad guys and that's what really made me decide to start doing this for a living was when i was doing you know when I was in the construction business and they took me all over the place. I mean, I've been to Texas, to Florida, to Mississippi and all over South Louisiana fishing with guys. And it just, it's an awesome business. I get to meet people from all over the world. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet in the time you have met some sure enough personalities. Oh, have Pro- I? Probably Man, some I that are some boring that you don't know what to say to them, and then some that they never shut up, and it's a laugh all day long. Yeah, exactly. And not to mention the guys that show up on the boat that speak absolutely no English. Oh, wow. That's it. I, last year, I, take, I took four guys from Japan, and when they showed up at the dock, they spoke absolute, absolutely no English for the day. I mean, none. They just kind of nodded at me all day. <laughs> I bet that was entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) How did you handle yourself? Because you don't hush most of the time, so did you just keep talking? I I just kept talking, and and I let them listen to me, and they nodded at me all day, and we caught some fish, and they just kept nodding at me, and as long as they were nodding up and down, I thought it was we were good. But as long as they wasn't nodding side to side, we were all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you are from South Louisiana, so I mean, you have a you have a language all of your own anyway. So, kind of like Coach O. Or did him go Tigers? That is correct. Don't go to knocking on Coach O now. I love me some Coach O. Man, Coach O, that's the best dude in the world. I will find one of his interviews and listen to it, and everybody's like, I can't understand him. I'm like, well, it's sad because I understood every word the man said. So, uh, I guess exactly right. Look, being in this area and growing up. If there's ever a guy that's that's had his dream job his whole life since he was a six-year-old kid, that man got it. You can't knock him for anything. Well, you know, I don't know if if y'all saw this, but one of the first interviews he did when he became the head coach at LSU was – uh, this is this is one of this is a perfect place for me. Uh, what he tell you? he said over here, I ain't got no accent. I like that. Fell out of my chair <laughs> laughing. He said he did not have an accent down there, and it was like, yeah, you still got an accent. You got a whatever it is you got going on. You got something going on. But yeah, I could see it. Him at a northern school would be definitely a little different. Oh no, that's I mean that's like people that come on my boat every day. They always look at me. It's like. Mr. Anthony, you got an accent. I was like, no, I don't. You do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Look, I used to laugh when I lived in North Texas. I'd be up there and somebody'd say, oh, you're a Cajun. And it's like, I'm a what? Like, no, I don't think you've ever actually met a Cajun. I'm not. I don't even have a decent South Louisiana accent. I'm, I'm more of a North Louisiana accent. It's a... Yeah, no, ours is ours is definitely a redneck country. It's not Cajun. Oh, you sound, right. you sound like a... No, you need to go listen to one of them. Go hear all that. Yeah, no, and how that shy, and... Yeah, go, go and ahead. Look, I, don't, good I don't have a really, really strong accent. But now, there's times, you know, I'll spend two to three weeks down here at the camp fishing, and then I'll go home and go say hi to the wife, and I'll walk up in the door and say something to her, and she looks at me, she goes, what are you saying? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, I can't understand a daggum word you're saying. I'm like, okay. She goes, you've been down at the camp way too long. <laughs> like, sorry. You have started to blend in. Look, one of the funniest That's things right. I've ever been in on a couple of years ago, I got invited on a duck hunt down there. And uh, the two guys I was with had been watching a Cheech and Chong marathon. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, they had a Cajun Cheech and Chong going on 
And when I tell you it was, I mean, I don't know if I've laughed that hard ever in the first hour or two, especially when Head fell out the boat and filled his waders full of water because he was trying to make a comment that Cheech had said or something, and he got to laughing and fell out the boat <laughs> in 30-degree water. But it oh, was, yeah. It was like, what have you two fools been doing? Oh, man, we watched that Cheech and Chong in Marathon, eh, yeah? Uh, uh, yeah, okay. But now, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's been a long time since I've seen Cheek and Chong. I watched one the other day. It was on, and I caught about 20 minutes of it, and they're still funny. About I all mean, you they're, can take? they're so ignorant that they're funny. I mean, they're. Well, I mean, come on. Ignorance is funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk, talking about the accents, I, I got a, uh, a aunt and uncle that lived down in Pier Park. And I yep. used to go to I used to go down there a pretty good bit when I was younger. You know, my early teens, I'd go you know stay a week with them or something like that. And man, I'd love it. I'd sit there and fish all day, every day. And uh, they had a little small boat, and I would just I would just you know go trolling up and down a little a little bayou and stuff, and just just fishing all day. And you know we'd we'd go around and visit some neighbors, and I'd start talking, and they'd all kind of look at me and said, "Where's this boy from?" <laughs> and uh and I'll say, yeah, he's from Mississippi and I said, Oh, I knew he wasn't from down here and yeah, I, I just remember I don't I don't remember a whole lot of uh, uh of interactions but with that trip but I remember people always picking picking me out of the crowd whenever I would talk and they knew they knew I wasn't a native right off the bat. <laughs> yep. Hey look, I can't deny anything. I got family from up around Mississippi and I got family from Pierre Park, so you know. I just got to sit around and just kind of laugh at all of them because, you know, I can't pick on them. Yeah. That's who they are. Well, that's the thing. My uncle, he, he was, he's from, you know, around where we live in Mississippi. And, and his wife, she, uh, she's her, her family is French. And that's where she was born and raised down there. And they lived up in Mississippi for, for most of their, their life when they were married. And once they retired, you know, they moved, they moved down there where she was from. Her mother, her mother was down there. And so he kind of, he kind of had to adapt to it, but I stuck out like a sore thumb when I went to talking down there. That's right. Hey, look, there's <laughs> one thing about South Louisiana that nobody ever says, man, you know, there's a lot of places in this world that's good to be from, but South, South Louisiana ain't, ain't one of them. It's a good place to be. <laughs> I'd never heard it like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, like Alabama. You know, Alabama's a good place to be from. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I don't know. Certain times of the year down there, I know when we've been down there fishing with you. Certain times of the year, you know, y'all got some of the some of your bugs and stuff you got going on down there. You, you can eat some of them while you're fishing the whole time. But y'all, oh yeah, them. this time of the year, right now. We have our little gnats show up. Or some places around the world call them noceums. Whatever. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. They are showing up right now. Yeah, they get thick as thieves this time of year. Really, yep. I would I wouldn't have thought it had been this time of the year for them. Gnats show up in the fall. Yep. Water gets low. They come out of the mud, and yes, they are bad. Yeah, I know a couple There's years ago. when you pray for wind. Yeah, a couple years ago when we were down there, I, I never wear a face shield 
for anything. You know, I mean, I probably should for sun sunscreen, you know, but there was one time when we were down there, I remember I wore that face shield the whole time just trying to keep them out of my nose and my mouth, out of your eyes. They were wow. They were tough fighting them on one trip that we did. Yep. Look, I'm not a smoker, but, man, this time of the year, you keep some little bitty cigars in a boat, that's about sometimes the only thing you can do to keep them out of your face. Now, Cap, this time of year, are y'all running, are y'all running live more or artificial, or does it just kind of depend on which spot or – we this time of the year we're doing both i mean we're fishing a little bit of a little bit of soft plastics on the bottom um and we're fishing low and slow that's kind of what we call it you know fishing deep in the deep water and fishing them slow but you know there's times when the live minnows which is the only thing we can get down here we fish with taco minnows a lot um you know, that's the only thing they're going to bite. So we Carolina rigging them on the bottom and fishing them more in the deep holes. Now, as the sun comes up, if the sun gets real high, let it go to about mid-morning, and then that sun will start heating up the real shallow water. When I say real shallow water, I'm talking like six inches to a foot. Oh, wow. And when it starts heating up that water, well, then, especially the redfish, they'll move up on them little shallow flats. And at that point, we're fishing mostly live bait, and they come up on the most shallow flats because water heats up, and we're going to fish, you know, you're going to catch them on those shallow flats. But you got to have a high sun and let that water heat up. And it takes a little while. You know, like I said, we start fishing them about mid-morning. And so... We'll start out in the morning time fishing the deep holes and the little deeper canals, little deep dead-end canals, fishing them on the bottom. And after the water starts warming up on the little flats, we'll run out. We'll go fish, especially like in the, the big ponds, and start fishing them up on those shallow flats. And they come up there to feed. You know, the fish are just like us. When the water temperature gets hot, they want to warm up, too. Now you run. They out. don't have long johns. They got so they got to run up where the sun's beaming down. Are you running popping corks when they get on the flats, or we fish a lot of popping corks over the flats because we have a lot of oysters. So we use the cork just to basically keep keep the bait from getting caught up in the oysters. Mm. I know uh, several times that we've been down there. We we've gone both ways. We we've, we've run it. Carolina rigs, or we've run, we've run popping corks, or live or artificial, and I just didn't know what y'all were using this time of year. Yep. We fish. I mean, getting a charter boat, we fish a lot of live bait. Springtime, we fish a lot of live shrimp, and fall and summertime, we fish a lot of cockles. You know, and that's what our fish are feeding on. You know because we have a lot of shrimp that come in in the springtime. And then in the middle of the summer, the shrimp kind of, they kind of quit coming, you know, because they go out deep. And then in the fall, our shrimp come back in the marsh again. And they, because it's shrimping season. And then after that's over with, well, then they go back to menace. So... You know, so we kind of change our bait depending on the time of the year. 
when it comes down to live beef? I don't know if, if most people realize this, but the the way you fish, the technique you fish, the bait you use, you know, a lot of folks that fish, they realize it, but folks that don't fish don't realize how much weather, wind, water temperature, all of that plays effect in how you're uh, how you're going about making your approach trying to trying to be successful. Oh, that's every day. Yep. That's that's every day. You know, you always hear the term match your catch or you know, match your bait to the catch. And that's the hard I mean, that's a hard thing to do. You just gotta kinda figure it out and you know, I, I tell people all the time, you ever seen that show Fifty First Dates? <laughs> I know it's with Adam Samuel. Yeah, I don't know like if I've ever heard that out. comparison. That's about the way fishing is, you know, every morning you wake up as a brand new morning, you ain't really got the slightest clue what's going to happen. <laughs> now, you're 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 down in Leeville, but now you're you're down at what marina? Where are you at now? Where are you staying? I'm at. I'm at Bobby Lynn's Marina down in Leeville. Down at Bobby Lynn's. And you just built a new boat launch down there, didn't you? New dock and I built everything? A new, I built a new boat shed and all of that down here about, I don't know, it's been about three years I've been down here. Um, I've kind of taken over all the fishing, the charter fishing out of Bobby Lynn's Marina down here. Um, we have about, let's see, I think we have one, I have about two or three guys that fish with me all the time. And then there's another couple of them that come in to us when we need to. And down here at Bobby's, I mean, we we have three rooms that we rent out um, to our customers when they come in. Um, gives them a nice place to stay. Um, one room sleeps, I think, four to six. The other one sleeps six to eight. And another one sleeps, I think, about three or four. And so our customers can come in right here at the marina. They can stay with us. They don't have to leave. Um, there's an outside little area up under the rooms where they can cook they can do what they want to do hang out drink beer do whatever they want to do um and then we pick them up right here at the right there at the at the rooms every morning and we take them fishing and when we come back we clean all the fish right here at the marina so it's kind of a one-stop shop place i mean it's awesome that's the reason i moved down here and we take care of them and do what they need to do well, and Bobby um, Lens has been a, that's been a landmark for how long? How long, Lord, how long, when did he start fishing down there? See, Mr. Bobby started actually charter fishing about the same time I did, about 14 years ago. Um, but Mr. Bobby has owned a marina down here for about 25 years. That's right. And I knew he had been down there a long two of time. Them. He's had the North Marina up in the front, which is probably the most well-known. Um and then the South Marina down here where we are and which is a private Marina. You don't, we don't have the public coming in and out. I mean, it's just us. And Mr. Bobby just expanded the Marina. I mean, he just added, I think another 25 camper stalls to the front up there. Um, so I think there's about 60 or 70 campers in here now. And just, you know, we don't have the public coming in and out. There's no boot launch for all the public. You know, it's just all private. And he allows me to run my business out of here and rent the rooms out and go fishing. So that's what we like the most about it because 
It's just like ours. Mm-hmm. Well, I know it's a in the times that I've been down there, it's a it's an awesome setup and it's it's real easy, real in and out. Uh, it's really nice accommodations. You know, everything's everything's set up for the customer. I mean, it's just it's just easier. You know, when we first started fishing, which years ago, we used to stay up up further north, and we yep. had a lot longer boat ride. You know, now your boat ride's a lot shorter. You know, it just makes everything easier. Uh, seems like to me it was it was easier to get in and out and you didn't have to deal with a whole bunch of folks you didn't know and you know if you you take you know we usually come down with two or three guys four of us all together or whatever and you know it's just kind of us getting to hang out and cut up and you know have a good time and and that's what it's all about so that's right like i said everybody y'all on vacation man y'all down here to have a good time and that's where we try to show everybody now I know over the years you've had some good good stories, some things that have happened that you know you just they made a memory burned into your skull that you probably can't ever get out. Have you got anything like that in mind that you might be able to let us let our listeners hear on today? Oh Lord! <laughs> <laughs> Remember, we got to keep them clean. Do not incriminate anyone and you got to keep it clean <laughs> <laughs> you know like i said i've had people on my boat from japan to germany to england to canada to about 35 states or so from what i understand so i'll tell you probably the most remarkable story I, i've done quite a few things and probably one of the the Funnest and I said funnest. That ain't even a real word, is it? That's all right. You from South Louisiana? We get it. But um, was I actually did a wedding on my boat about a year and a half, two years ago? You did a what? A wedding. Okay. Um, where a little couple, a young couple, got married on the front of my boat. And there's a lot of people that probably can't say that. Were you the mm. pastor? No, I was not. As as a licensed <laughs> Coast Guard captain, though, I can conduct a wedding, but I did not. Oh, that's right. I didn't think about that. Yes, you can. That's right. But you did not conduct the service. So they, they so had a, how many people were on the boat? We had two boats. I had four people on my boat, and there was four people on another boat. And we actually went out that morning um, with the young couple. They were in their young, early 20s. Um, and they wanted to get married, but they didn't want to get married in a church and all. They wanted to do something fun. So they decided to come down to South Louisiana and get married. Um, her family was actually from New York, and his family was actually from California. And the little couple actually lived in California, but they drove down to South Louisiana and they went fishing. And we went fishing that morning, and between the two boats, I think we caught. We caught about 150, 160 speckled trout for the day. And about 12 o'clock or so, finally, we decided. I found a little place in the marsh that was solid. We got out on the front of the boat. They stood out in the marsh, and their daddy, or her daddy, should I say, um, actually got ordained as a minister. And they conducted a wedding right there on the front of my boat in the marsh. And they got married. 
they gave each other rings, they kissed each other, and they came done. back in, cleaned all their fish, and we all sat down that night and fried fish and had a little wedding reception, I guess what you would call it, right here at Bobby Lane's Marina South. Now, I hate to tell you this, but you need to advertise that. You you could have a whole <laughs> new exclusive business right there. I mean, a wedding business. I could be yeah. a wedding planner, right? Look, I mean, you, yeah. y'all y'all were successful on the fishing trip. You know, caught 150 trout. I mean, that that's a good day fishing either way. And, that's and, an awesome day fishing. Yeah, and then also had a wedding procedure and or, or event and... Oh, man, look, it's not many people that offer a service like that. <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> it was the first of my kind. <laughs> but, yeah, there ain't a whole lot of people. You know, I mean, we've, you know, we've done things. I've done proposals on the front of my boat. I've done uh, not necessarily funerals, but, you know, spreading ashes and those kind of things. But that, that is the by far the first wedding I have ever had on my boat. And I've never run into another charter captain that said he has done a wedding on his boat. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I'm going to bet if there's any listening right now, somebody's going to be trying to book one right now. Hey, I'll do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there a price difference in the trip if you want to go fishing and get married? Not for me, but only for him. <laughs> yeah you, you could definitely say uh one, one price is definitely going up <laughs> right and an amon <laughs> be the most expensive fishing trip we've ever had now <laughs> look i'm gonna have to ask this for our next trip that we come down there fishing with you you know but are y'all offering now a honeymoon suite also <laughs> I'm not getting into that. Have y'all changed the establishment a little bit to where there's now a different suite? I mean, I'll give you a candle. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's no heart I mean, shape. There's no heart shape hot to you know, We don't get much right wine that ain't in a box, so I can't offer you no good wine. <laughs> oh man. Well, I know. But yeah, that was probably one of the most memorable trips that I've had. I mean, it was it was pretty cool. Well, not long ago, I saw where you posted a picture with a huge trout. Was that down there? Mm-hmm. What did that? Yep. Give me some measurements on that, dude. Uh, that particular trout. I'm trying to remember the picture that I seen you, but. The biggest one that we caught on a boat this year was about 24 inches long, and he weighed right at about five and a half, almost six pounds. It's a big trout. Yeah. We caught that in the spring, and we caught it around East Timbalera Island is where I caught it. And you hooked him? No, my customers hook him. <laughs> I don't hook anything. <laughs> I don't know now. I ain't, I, caught a fish in ten, I ain't caught a fish in 14 years. Hold on now. I've been on a trip where one of our gentlemen needed a little help casting, and, and I remember you helping him out in that regard. That's right. I helped him out casting. I helped him out hook setting, and I helped him out <laughs> but he, but he fish in the boat, but he caught it. <laughs> See, Look, I didn't catch it. You want to tell this, or you want me to tell it? Which one? When, Uh-oh. Look, we... Jeremy, we got down there, and a good friend of ours who, who I 
pick and play with a lot, and he he is a, a way better fisherman than he is a hunter. Uh, we get down there, and Cap's got spinning reels. Mm-hmm. And first off, the the handle's on the left side, so we convert the handle over to the right side for him, and we get him set up. And my little brother and I, we're casting out, and all day long, the guy's just fighting with it. He can't get one. What would you say, Cap? Five yards, ten he yards can, at yeah, most, uh, maybe ten at the most. <laughs> and I mean, we're casting them out, you know, thirty, forty yards, putting them where they need to go, right up against the grass. We're, we're catching reds or trout at that time, and you know, you're laying it out there and, and bumping it back, and he's he's casting it out. I mean, he's he's cast four times before we've cast, you know, brought our bait in on one, and it it didn't take long. We had warned Captain that you know he asked a lot of questions. You just be ready. He's going to ask you a million questions. You know, what type of boat motor do you have? I'm talking like running out of answers questions. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Encyclopedia Britannica does not have all the answers to all these questions. And and I normally have an answer to almost every question. You're getting slammed. Yeah, whether yeah, they're was, actual, <laughs> whether actual legitimate answers or not, you're going to get an answer. <laughs> That's it. But finally, Captain Anthony finally looked at him, and he said, you know, he said, uh, they are catching them a little further from the boat. <laughs> and I don't know. <laughs> it was just the time, you know, how you get that one liner in, you know, or that one comment in that's just hilarious at the time because everybody's been waiting on it. When he threw it out there, it was just, you know, I think Mike and I both had to stop fishing at that time so we could laugh for a little while. <laughs> Did you just tell him that you got to catch him? You got to catch him a little further from the boat. That's it. We just catch him a little further from the boat, man. <laughs> but it was just—it was a perfectly timed comment. Oh man, we uh, we went last I'm time telling- I went last time I went fishing down down that way. Uh, went to Cocodry, and um, my wife's uncle—he actually owns a um, an airboat charter for bow fishing and right. uh we, it was it was my first time going bow fishing and i think we put in you know right at dark and we rode out across the marsh for a ways and um we'll get out there and it, it, the wind the wind picked up a little bit higher than what was forecast and then started muddying up the water so it was real i mean you'd get right up on top of those redfish before you'd see them and then they, they'd skirt off and muddy the water up even more and what few fish that that we saw Man, I'd never been bow fishing before in my life. I didn't know how to hit them. And uh, he was like, y'all, y'all need to get on them. You know, it's not, the weather condition is just not, not that great for seeing them. So when you see one, we need to shoot him. And I'm over there slinging arrows left and right. And my wife, she's taking a little bit, little bit better approach. She's sitting there looking at it, kind of judging. And she was actually the first, the first out of the group to stick one. And I'm like, oh, no, I can't let this happen. And, uh. So then I finally, I finally get my mark and I, and I hit one. And, um, and so I was, I guess I may have been kind of like that guy that, uh, that wasn't, wasn't throwing it far from the boat. She, uh, she had her mark a lot quicker than me and she was, she was nailing them. It, it finally took me a little while to get it going and I, I figured it out. Well, you know, when my boat busts every day, most of the women out fish all the men all every day too, right? Now, why is that? And you know why the women outfish the men mo- most every day? Why is that? Because they listen to us. 
<laughs> Most of the men on my boat think they know what they're doing. The women just come on there going, all right, I'm an idiot. What yeah, do I what need do I, to do, what, what do I need to do, yeah. <laughs> and I think that was probably the approach my wife took because her uncle was sitting there saying exactly what we needed to do, and I was probably just saying, oh, I, I got this. I know what I'm doing. And... Look, I'll tell you another story about a group of guys I had on my boat. And the poor fellow that I actually helped out, I don't know if he's lived it down to this day, but I had a group of four guys on my boat. It was a bachelor party trip. You know, they were coming down here, you know, going fishing and because one of them was getting married. There was four of them on the boat and they had one guy on the boat. He just, he was that guy that couldn't cast it more than 10 feet. I mean, just all day long, I was telling him, hey, bro, we catch them a little bit further out. We catch them a little <laughs> bit further out. And he, he just couldn't grasp the fact of casting it a little bit further out. And so all his friends was like, Captain, you need to help him. He was like, no, I don't want no help. Because if he helps me, y'all going y'all gonna to mess with me. Well, make a long story short, we, were, we pulled up this little place and we were fishing this little bank. So I actually grabbed a rod and I threw it out. Well, when I threw it out, he threw it out. And he threw it like six inches from my cork. So it sat there for a few minutes and all of a sudden my cork went down. I set the hook. I had a fish. As soon as I set the hook, his cork went down. He started fighting a fish and we were reeling it in. And I was like, man, we got two of them at a time. And and dude was like, man, I finally caught a fish. And he was all excited because he finally caught a fish and he, he was bringing it back in. And we got it back to the boat. That, fish had two hooks in his mouth my hook in one side and his hook in the other side of the fish's mouth and as soon as we pulled it up my sword had two two hooks in his mouth i said see man i said i do everything i can to try to help a guy out on my boat <laughs> catching a fish i said even if i gotta hook it first to make it bite your bait i said but i do everything i can to, for you to catch a fish and at that point when his friends saw that that i had hooked it also oh man he wouldn't even throw a rod the rest of the day He's like, I can't fish no more. They rode him for the rest of the day. Oh, man. You know, but that's part of the fun. The, uh, that's it. Yeah, the jokes and the junk that gets told, the ribbon. Yeah, if you're ever going to hunt and fish with us, you can't be sensitive. Sensitive, not, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. You got to leave your feelings at the dock. <laughs> you got to be able to dish it. That's right. Oh yeah, you, you got to leave your feelings at the dock. You better be able to take it as well as you can dish it. Don't just be the one that can dish it, because it's going. You're going to do something that's going to allow us an opportunity to strike back somewhere throughout the event. So. <laughs> yep. And that's all in the fun of having a good day on the water. And you say yep. you got the next five days booked up. Yep, um, the next five days. And now a lot of people yes, don't understand, you know, I've been out there and been fishing with you a couple of days in a row, and, you know, everybody's like, oh, man, you're on vacation down there. You are. But it's, especially this time of year, it's tough work. Uh, you know, oh, you're up. Yeah, it's hard work. You get up at, what, three, four Not every four. morning? You run, go get bait, make sure the boat's fueled up, get back. You get the guys on the boat. You go out and you fish, and... You're out in some of the worst weather 
I mean, you're, you're going to be fighting it, and there, there's nowhere to hide from the wind. No, the tallest thing out there is you. So, I mean, it's <laughs> it's beating on you. I mean, yours doesn't – your new boat, it doesn't even have a no canopy on it. That way more guys can fish and less things to snag on. So, you know, I mean, there's absolutely no getting out of anything. And, and then you come in and you clean all the fish. And, and I don't know if a lot of people realize what kind of toll that takes on you. I mean, it's just a – it's a physical grind that a lot of, you know, a bunch of guys that I've, Jeremy and I fool with all the time that are duck hunting guys, you know, the the guides, I mean, that's a, that's a grind. Tough, tough job. It's a tough job. I mean, we, you know, it's a, it's a 12, 14 hour day a job, you know, all my friends, you know, always tells me all the time, hey man, you got the most awesomest job you, you ever, you get to go fishing every day. And, you know, I was like, but yes, you don't understand. I said, I'm up at four o'clock in the morning, every morning. And we pick our customers up anywhere between six to seven o'clock, depending on the time of the year. And by the time we get finished cleaning fish, it's three thirty, four o'clock. Well, then we got to clean the boat, get the boat ready, fix stuff that breaks. I mean... You know, we own boats, so I mean, yeah, it don't matter it's if it's a new boat or, 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 or There's stuff on it that's going to break every other day. So then you fix all the stuff on the boat. You get all your stuff ready. You, you end up cooking supper. You go to bed, and you know it's it's five o'clock before the day's over with to get ready for the next day to get up at four o'clock in the morning. So I mean, yeah, it's long hours. It's hard work. It takes a grind on us, but it's a rewarding job. You know. Like I said before, you know, I get to meet people from all over the world. And if you don't like to meet people from all over the world and, you know, you don't need to do this. It's, it's awesome, you know, to me. And as a guide, you, you, you have to, you have to, to quit worrying about catching fish yourself and enjoy watching other people catch fish because that's what it's all about. We're here to teach people to catch fish every day. You know, I'm not putting people on my boat to come out here every day and get up on the front of the boat and catch all their fish every day and send them home with a, with a bunch of fish just to make them feel happy. No, I'm here to let them catch the fish. And that's what it's supposed to be about. No doubt. Well, Cap, look, before we get off here, we're getting to where we need to wrap this thing up. Uh, Tell all our listeners who you are, name of your fishing guide service, where's the best and easiest place for them to find you to be able to check you out or to contact you and try to book a trip. Well, I'm Anthony Buqua. Um, if you go to my Facebook page, it calls me Captain Anthony Buqua. That's probably the easiest place to find me. Um, my company name is Spot On Fishing Adventures. Um, it's been around a long time. Um, it's pretty well known. Um, I do have a website at spotonfishingadventures.com that they can find me. And but like I said, the easiest place to find me is Captain Anthony Buqua on Facebook. And call me. I mean, they can call me at area code 225-806-8808. Um, I always have my cell phone with me. 
if they don't get me on a cell phone, leave me a message, and we'll set up a fishing trip. Well, Captain, we appreciate you being on with us. Thank you, and everybody, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Outdoor Country Talk. Jacob and Jeremy, God bless. God bless you Lord, to make you feel alright I got the windows down I got the radio on